I'm Chris Costello, and welcome to On Cue. I look forward to sharing with you topics and guests which may be out of the ordinary and some very extraordinary people who are making a noticeable imprint in today's world. For centuries, inventive minds have brought us some pretty amazing inventions. The 1400s gave us the printing press. The 1600s, the telescope. The 1800s, the automobile and the electric light bulb. And the 1900s, radio and the first powered flight. Fast tracking into the 1960s, you may recall it as being a very colorful decade, which it was. It was a decade of change and growth. It gave us psychedelic music. The Beatles, the VW Bug, the Lava Lamp, and more. If wanting to call someone while you were out, well, you looked for a payphone. And if wanting to know what time it was, you either looked at your wristwatch, asked someone, or looked at a clock. Well, in 1963, the Autocron Company, which first produced the talking clock, began announcing the time simply by dialing a number. The pre-recorded voice was female, very pleasing, and became one of the most recognizable voices to millions of callers. Good evening. At the tone, Pacific Daylight Time will be 7.54 and 20 seconds. But who did this voice belong to? Her name was Jane Barbie, otherwise known as the Time Lady. Jane began making professional announcements in the mid-1960s. Her friendly voice announced the time, temperature, and weather, as well as personalized announcements for financial institutions, telephone companies, and other time, temperature, weather sponsors. By the 1970s and into the 80s, recordings of Jane informed telephone callers when a number was disconnected or no longer in service and was on many hotel wake-up systems. She was the queen of telephone recordings, and in the course of her long career as that familiar voice, many of us, including myself, knew we could depend on her giving us the correct information. The number you have reached has been disconnected. If you need assistance, please hang up and dial your directory assistance operator. This is a recording. Jane Barbie has become truly a pop culture figure. And here to turn back the pages with me, or should I say dial back to that era, is a man who knew her best, her son, American musician, producer, and engineer, and director of the Music Business Certificate Program at the University of Georgia, David Barbie. David, welcome to On Cue. Hi, Chris. Hello there, David. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. I hear you're getting some hot, humid weather in Georgia. We are in the south in the middle of the summertime. And it's hot here in California. Oh, boy. I have got to tell you, I am so pleased to be able to do this interview with you because your mother's voice, I heard so many times because I used constantly the time feature, you know, if I wanted to get the time. She really was one of the most familiar and recognizable voices on the other end of a telephone. Yet, she had quite a career before being known as the Time Lady. 
Here's where it gets interesting, David. Now, she was the featured singer with the Buddy Morrow Orchestra. Already, I have a kindred tie to her because I was a featured singer with the Bill Toll Orchestra only maybe two decades later, back in the 80s. And uh, so we were both warblers or chirpers, as they would say. But this is where she met your father, who was the road manager, musical director, and band member. And then following, I believe your parents started a business creating and producing music for commercials, industrial shows. And she also found the time, pardon the pun, for starring in a shake-and-bake commercial and raise a family. (laughs) Can you take us back (laughs) as to how did your mother become the time lady? And she was real busy. Well, um, she got the job. I mean, I was born in 1963, so she had the job when I was growing up. So I don't have a crystal clear recollection of how it was that she did it. The basics are she and my dad were living in New York after they got off the road and got married in the early 60s. My mom had auditioned for a commercial, a radio spot in New York, and um, she did not get the spot. She finished second. You may have some listeners old enough to remember these commercials for Paul Mall of dishwashing liquid. And uh, there was a character on there named Madge, and she was a famous commercial actress. Well, in the early 60s, this actress was the number one commercial voice in New York City. And so my mom didn't get the spot, but they called her in. The producers did when they were done and said, hey, you didn't get it, but you finished second of the person that gets these things all the time. But your husband mentioned you might be moving to Atlanta and you should pursue this. You have a great talent at this. You could you could have a career doing voice work if you wanted. So they moved to Atlanta. They met a few people and somebody they knew knew somebody with Autocron, I believe. And so one thing led to another and she's was singing on jingles and doing some voiceovers on commercials around that time, too. And I think that she was just known in Atlanta, a much smaller town in the early 1960s, as a good voice and she got a shot and she got the gig. She did have a good voice and I got to tell you something and boy maybe I'm dating myself. What what year was Madge in those commercials the Palm Olive? Was it back in the 50s? Yeah, I mean certainly in the 70s. It was an iconic 70s to probably 60s and 70s. That really jarred my memory. <laughs> yeah, and so she's one of those characters like we see them on TV now that we know as characters from commercials. But whatever that actress's name was, she was the number one radio voice for commercials in New York in the early 60s. That's amazing. So was it an easy like shot to get the audition and then to become the Time Lady? Although she wasn't called the Time Lady that early on. Did she have to go up against a lot of people for this? Chris, I have no idea, but I will tell you this, working in studios my entire adult life and the veteran people when I was a young studio engineer were people who had been the young engineers working when my parents were active, especially in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s. And uh, they all said that Jane Barbie was the voice. And um, I think that pretty much as soon as she got into town, that she was number one from the beginning. She had a talent for it, and people liked working with her. She was a quick study. And plus, she had the studio time behind her. She knew the studio. So it wasn't like taking a novice and then trying to groom them into that spot. Now, you and I both are very familiar with the studio, but I'm curious, how much studio time did it take for your mother 
to pre-record the time in hours, minutes, even seconds, plus giving the weather and all of the many pre-announcements that she recorded over the years. Well, I have a surprise. Let's hear from Jane Barbie herself. Let's take a listen. We worked for two months on these voice takes before we ever released the first one. No matter how hard you try, it still comes out sounding a little bit automated because of the dip cadence. So if the number is 255-2345, it would go 255-2345. You can see the timing is crucial, so you must be on the button with the timing. And if you are two-tenths of a second over, then the last bit of that syllable is going to be chopped off. You know, she also did dollars and cents, too. I mean, she did everything with these pre-records. And did she ever cave under the pressure of this? I mean, when she went into the studio, she must be there for hours and hours and hours. Everything had to be timed so perfectly. Did she handle pressure well with something like this? I can't imagine my mom exhibiting stress over pressure in anything. I have no recollection at all. My mom always just seemed calm and pleasant and in control. The studio sessions, I used to go to these as a small child, especially before I was in school. And I can't imagine that most of them were that long or that grueling because otherwise she would have found a sitter for me or a family member or somebody to, to look after me because... She was a pro. Now, she's talking about in that spot when she first started doing it, it took a couple of months before they released anything. But um, I think by the time that I would remember, which is my cognizant memory goes back to me being maybe four or five years old, that she'd been doing this for four or five years. And it always just seemed to be an incredibly pleasant thing. I sat quietly in the control room with Sam Medlin, her producer, and she would go out there and do her thing. See, the, my next question was going to be, and this is kind of a loaded question, but uh, did your mom ever talk about her in-studio experiences? I know you you kind of lived it as a young child, but like driving you to school at the dinner table, and I'm laughing, David, because I can't believe I'm asking you this question. My dad was Lou Costello, and I cannot tell you how many Abbott and Costello fans will say to me, did your dad ever talk about burlesque? When, you know, you were growing up and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, at the age of six, driving me to school, I think I was asking him about burlesque, right? Um, but did you, <laughs> did, did your mother, <laughs> I mean, I, I apologize for asking the question, but I'm kind of curious, like, uh, now I'm the fan, is, yes. did she ever come home and talk about, you know, her work? A little bit, yeah, studio chit-chat or whatever my parents were doing because, you know, she did, as you mentioned in your introduction, she did Shake and Bake and she also did Crisco and was all, she's had all, between an actress, singer, and uh, voice talent, she just did all kinds of things and my dad being a composer and producer in his own right, I was definitely aware of what was going on in the studio. The one thing I remember about her... um, that she had talked about with regard to doing the time at Autocron was the first time she did some sort of voice spot, they told her that she was three-tenths of a second over and asked her to do it again. And as you know, this is before the era of digital editing. And so 
she did it again and just knocked three tenths of a second off of it and stuck her landing. And nowadays, of course, no one has to perform like that because you can just digitally edit together and get it exactly what you want. So my dad told me that as a musician, my mom had a great sense of rhythm and uh, you would have to to have someone tell you, Jane, you just uh, spoke for 30 seconds. You're three tenths too long. Can you tighten that up just a little bit? And at first she told me she didn't, she's like three tenths of a second. How am I supposed to do that? But she just picked up her pace just a little bit and stuck it on the next try. So I think that she was, uh, she was a natural, but I think that like most people who are naturals, they work hard to make it look easy. Well, I could see her doing that. I can. And I can remember actually the shake and bake commercials. How many people out there that probably would know that face through the commercials yet not make any connection whatsoever as to her being this woman that would be on the other end of the phone in a pre-record message whether it was uh, i used to talk to her all the time by the way you know if i called a number <laughs> and it was disconnected and i'd say oh come on don't do that to me um <laughs> so i used to have a lot of conversations with jane but to make that connection as let's say shake and bake or whatever the commercial was and then translated over to Jane Barbie, who is this world-renowned voice, uh, iconic. In fact, there is a funny story, David, I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your mother recalled her mother, your grandmother, calling a number, heard your mother's voice announce the time, or possibly saying a number was no longer in service, and said, enough, Jane, so there yes. must have been some hysterical <laughs> moments in your family, even with friends, regarding your mother as the time lady. But I love that line. Enough, Jane. <laughs> Anytime there would be someone at the house who would happen to ask what time it was, because, again, we didn't all have a baby computer in our pocket. And uh, she would, on cue, pun acknowledged in advance, go into, at the tone, the time will be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been asking her the time constantly. She was a great comedian in her own right, too. So very uh, dramatic flair, very personable. And so, yeah, she enjoyed the role and uh, and relished it. You know, the generation of hearing your mother's voice, sadly, is fading. And today, you know, we hear the programs that mimic human-like voices uh, that put us through a multitude of steps to get us to a particular department or actual human being in customer service. Oh, you can't believe the tirades I go on. What would your mother think of how we've progressed from hearing her voice to that of today's voice messaging system? Well, um, I think that she would have accepted that as just a natural march of technology. She was actually, in addition to doing the telephone intercept messages, she also later in her career was the voice in airports and on internal answering systems. And um, amazing, amazing, uh, you know, computer companies and all kinds of things. So I think that she I mean, certainly her own career was spawned by a technological breakthrough and um yeah, I can't ever remember either of my parents being having any relationship with technology other than gratitude. Well, I have to ask you, David, did your mother ever call a number and hear her own voice saying, 
this number is busy, this number is disconnected. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we all did. Oh, she probably said, oh, no, not you again. (laughs) I'm fascinated with your mom. I really, really am. And what was the key that made Jane Barbie so successful? I mean, you could walk down the street and pass her, for instance, and never know that this woman is probably the woman that you five minutes ago heard over the other end of a telephone giving you the time. What made her so successful? I think that what made her so successful was her unbelievably positive attitude, her deep empathy for others. I think people enjoyed being around her and working with her. My mom, as I have aged and um, you know, heard from her friends after she passed, and my dad passed about six months ago, and hearing from more old friends, mm-hmm. I got a lovely handwritten letter from uh, one of my mom's college roommates yesterday. And every person that reaches out to me to talk about their relationship with my mom basically just said that like she was just magic, that she was uh, one of those people that just had a glow and a positivity about her that really was warm and inviting to other people. So Um, I would imagine me being someone who works with a lot of different people in the studio, that she was probably a very easy person to work with because of the personality. She took her work seriously, and she had a talent for it. I always say that people like Jane Barbie have their feet on the ground, and she's just an amazing talent all the way around. I remember back in the 70s, I think, or it could have been early 80s, I was watching The Mike Douglas Show. And he went out into the audience, and I noticed this very, very beautifully coiffed and dressed woman. And he went up to her, unbeknownst to anybody in that audience who knew really who she was. And he introduced her, and he said something, and I'm sure I'm off base here as to what he actually said to her or asked her, but it was, can you give a little bit of a sample as to who you are? And, of course, she went into at the sound of the tone, and the people just erupted in applause. (laughs) So I think, you know, my generation and certainly the generation of your parents do remember this voice that belonged to your mother. I mean, she was in every home practically or in hotels when you wanted to put a wake-up call in. You almost felt like you knew her personally. And as I said, every time I would call and I'd hear that voice say, this number is no longer in service or please check the number before dialing or something of that nature. And I would be talking to her like, oh, come on, not again. Come on. Yeah, I know it's not disconnected. (laughs) You know, but in doing research on your mom for this segment, David, I also discovered you and I brought you up on YouTube and a talk you gave to a group of students. And I have to tell you, hands down, I was captivated, not only with your message of achieving one's goal in life, but your genuine passion in giving these students the tools they need to achieve their dreams. And I'm curious, because you were so relaxed on that stage, and I'm sure you are when you go out to do any kind of motivational uh, speaking, but did your mother influence your own career? Uh, Because I know you're also a musician, or should I say many careers, as you are a songwriter, producer, musician, And along with being a much sought-after motivational speaker, is a little bit of Jane Barbie there as to having gotten you over the wire? Absolutely. My mom, like I say, she was just like a really positive and supportive person. She was very poised. Um, We are our parents' children. I can hear your dad's cadence 
in your speaking voice. And there are probably characteristics. No, David, I'm not going to do who's on first. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that. I wasn't going to ask. Um, there are probably characteristics in my voice that are totally similar to my mom. But yes, I was always encouraged as a child to pursue things I cared about in life. And um, I can't even really put my finger on it, except my mom was a great teacher of a living. And I'm sure that she has a influence on everything I do. And I, I do think about her quite a bit. Well, David, you're also an excellent musician. Uh, I have seen some of the YouTube pieces. I've brought up some of your songs. If somebody wants to tap in to your talents, where would they go? If you Google David Barbie, there will be more than anybody ever needs. And um, okay. all my music's on all the major streaming services. Um, I think that if you just Google David Barbie music, there'll be more than you could ever possibly stand. And we have to say that Barbie is spelled B-A-R-B-E. And please, if you're listening to this segment, take a listen because you're quite talented. And I'm sure your mother is very proud of you. Did she like your music? I have to ask you. I think it would be fair to say my mom was very proud of me, but I can't really say that my parents particularly liked my music or the music of my generation. There's just enough age difference between us. I find that people that were born before the late 30s who grew up in the Depression and became of age, you know, adolescence or served in the military in World War II, they're the pre-rock and roll generation. And their music got run out of business by Elvis and Chuck Berry and the Beatles. Oh, there was a big transition there. Yeah. So um, I would say it's probably not something that um, she would choose to listen to or I not her son, but my mom was incredibly proud of my accomplishments. I would see where she would be. I'm curious, though, because she was a singer. So you came from a music background, you know, with your mother. Uh, and so I'm sure there was some kind of an influence there. Now, did she ever try to get you to listen to some of the songs of the 40s, like the Joe Staffords or herself? Because she did recordings. Oh, she wanted to do things like she told me that she would pay for our recording sessions if she could be in charge of the vocal levels in the mix, because, as you know, there's a very different concept mm -hmm. of the, how loud the vocals are on a Frank Sinatra recording and a Rolling Stones record. And mm -hmm. even as a young person, I knew the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix did not have their mom in the studio sing how loud the vocals get to be. <laughs> My mom was a great talent. She's a great musical talent, a greater musical talent than I, and a wonderful human being. But there is no way on earth that I was going to have, uh, yeah, that's, that's separation of church and state. <laughs> but you were playing bands as a teenager. So did you have one of those garage bands where your parents were going, oh, when are they going to stop? Absolutely. I um, did have that. And then when my parents remodeled our basement when I was about 12 or 13, my dad got the basement totally soundproofed and his uh, musical composition office totally soundproofed so that we could both peacefully coexist and um, create our own <laughs> art without um, interfering with one another. I'm sure there's it's like I say, it's not a kind of music that they like, but I was so greatly encouraged to make it. 
Well, I think both your parents, seriously, I never met them, although I feel like I knew your mother, but they seemed very grounded. And they were. you were brought up in a home, you know, full of love and encouragement, which really comes through, David. I, I have to tell you, when I listened to your motivational speaking, a lot of truths there, and I hope you continue to do it. You know, we've taken a peek into the past, you know, phone technology then and where it is today. And cell phones provide information at our fingertips, as we know, including giving us the time. I wonder if your mother were here today, and I know you, you said that she would probably be in favor of the advanced technology, but do you see her with a cell phone and trying to use all the different apps of a cell phone, including even looking at the time, you know, right there on the screen? Possibly. Um, but she might not have had to because the real techie in my family was my dad. And my dad was, uh, up until the very end, he died when he was almost 94. Um, God bless him. He was uh, very fluent on his iPhone. He, um, I mean, he's a musical composer, but he wrote his own tax software. He had the personal computer in his office as soon as it came out. So my mom probably would have embraced the cell phone because that's how we live now. But people of their generation, if you've all you need is one person in the house who's a techie. So um, I could see my mother pursuing her late in life hobbies that she had, which were um, uh, she had uh, gotten into oil painting when she was uh, uh, retired. That um, I guess she never actually really all the way retired from doing the voiceover work. She did that until right up close to the end. But um, she would appreciate it. She would be using the iPhone. How could she not? But um, but my dad was the techie. Should leave all that to him. That was like my dad because he backed every inventor known to man, and not really good inventions, but he loved anything that was gadgetry. So if he were around today. And he had access to the computers and the iPads and the iPhones and the this and the that and the lottery. Uh, oh, he'd be in heaven. Seriously. And he is in heaven. But he would love that. But I wish your mother were here with us now, David, because I believe all of us who can remember that very familiar voice can look back to that era with a real longing smile. And I hope you and I, David, will talk again. And just to make sure I have your correct cell number in my cell. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to try it right now. Please deposit 40 cents and an operator will answer. <laughs> David, you stay safe and continue making that music and reaching out to others with your wonderful speaking venues. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Chris. Look forward to talking in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to On Cue. I invite you to visit our Facebook page, On Cue Chris Costello, for more information and for upcoming guests. Remember, each of us has a voice and a story. So until next time, share a smile, laugh often, be kind to each other, and let's help make this an even better world. <laughs>